I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. From the very beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, the United States had a major issue with getting protective gear to our emergency workers, nurses, and doctors. And it seemed nobody in government was able to make the problems go away. Now, months into our shelter-in-place, officials say they are still facing roadblocks in their efforts to procure PPE. Joining me to discuss why this is such a lingering problem is Dominic Fracasa. And Dom, um, and PPE is now like something we all know what this is. I'm not sure that we all knew what PPE or personal protective equipment was before. Um, what is the status with the supply chains and, and getting it to people where they need it? Yeah. So when... As I've learned in in reporting this story, to answer that question, you kind of have to look through a couple of different um, prisms or lenses, if you will. On the one hand, you have, um, in, in the Bay Area's case, you have counties who are purchasing this equipment. We're talking about masks. We're talking about gowns. We're talking about gloves, disinfectant, hand sanitizer. All of this kind of fits into the universe of PPE at this point. Um, and a lot of that in the county sense is being used to distribute to government workers like bus drivers, like firefighters, like paramedics who are out there in the world, you know, unable to, you know, stay at home to do their jobs and, and need this stuff to be safe. Um, and counties are also playing the role of backfilling healthcare providers who may run out or, or be close to running out of gloves, say, and they can go to the counties in an ideal world and ask for a two-week supply to tide them over until the ordinary supply chain that hospitals and healthcare providers use uh, until that comes through for them. Now, on the other hand, you have those, those healthcare providers, places like hospitals and skilled nursing facilities, places that use a lot of PPE ordinarily and are using a lot more now and and ultimately are are these two things kind of run on parallel tracks the major roadblocks still in a lot of cases and this was true early on when the pandemic and sheltering in place sort of really sort of to set in in about mid march was finding reliable vetted sources of this equipment. Now, a, a lot of a lot of the county officials I talked to sort of quietly have attributed a lack of direction from the federal government in trying to to tell them what vendors, what suppliers of this equipment are trustworthy. In a situation like this when you have such tremendous demand for this kind of equipment, you have a lot of shady dealers who kind of, you know, squirm into this already very complicated supply chain you know, promising you, uh, um, you know, gloves, masks, ventilators that don't actually exist. They are forcing counties to get into bidding wars with other municipalities, other hospitals, or for, they're forced to bid against each other over this stuff. It's It's been sort of a un, really unfortunate um, and, and somewhat predatory situation that's emerged. The, the Department of Justice and the FBI have like this, this task force set up specifically uh, uh, to clamp down on, on scams and fraud and abuse and price gouging related to PPE, which kind of gives you a sense of how, how bad things are. So you have these supply chain issues that are, um, really complicating things and forcing, you know, county officials who have never had to do anything like this at this scale before, forcing them for the first time to, you know, have this critical equipment on hand in vast quantities really fast. And to do that, 
you're going to have to really know who you're doing business with. And that's not always easy when those business partners, those vendors are on the other side of the world. Wow. So that's a, that's a lot. And I, you know, the, the thing that I've wondered about this entire time is we, we work for a pretty large corporation and we have somebody who's in charge of procurement. And when I tell him, Hey, we're running out of hand sanitizer or masks, he ships me more. It doesn't, seem to be that hard for some businesses, I still don't understand why it's so hard for some hospitals. I mean, a lot of us just go online and get it. Why can't they do the same thing? It's really a confounding problem. And and when you talk about hospitals too, keep in mind, they have these, these for lack of a better term, these buyers clubs. So hospitals and, and hospital change will get together to procure, in ordinary times at least, large shipments of this equipment, because if you can place a much bigger order, you can do it cheaper right? Then if you were just acting on your own and kind of uh, doing a more of a one-off purchase. I, I've got to tell you, hospitals, in, in, in reporting this story, hospitals were not willing to be transparent at all in sort of trying to answer this question of how of where they're at in their supply chain and in their procurement of PPE. So it's really important in stories like this, I find, to speak with people who are actually like putting on that PPE. So you want to talk to the people who are buying it and what problems they're facing, but the people who actually have to like strap on the masks and put on the gloves and all of that, you need to make sure that it's getting to them too. So in speaking with frontline healthcare workers for this story, it became clear that things are not much better than they were in the bad old days, you know, about a month or two months ago, um, we uh, the Chronicle has reported Tatiana Sanchez, um, my, one of my colleagues, has reported you know instances where nurses in Oakland had to put trash bags on because supplies of, of gowns were running low. That's not really an acceptable scenario for anyone at a time like this. Nurses are trying to keep people safe and healthy and keep themselves safe and healthy. And that just seems uh, like a like a huge red flag. Um, in speaking with um, some nurses for this story, they informed me that that they are still, for instance, having to uh, reuse N95 respirator masks, which in general are supposed to be kind of a one-use, toss-them-away thing. They have to go between patient to patient to patient wearing the same equipment. And at the end of the day, in terms of the masks, they put those masks in a bag. They are chemically decontaminated by the hospital. Uh, this was a nurse at Kaiser Permanente in South San Francisco speaking to me in this particular case. And she said, you know, we have nurses who put those masks on the next day after decontamination, complaining of sinus and nasal irritation and headaches. So, you know, we, we I tried to go to the hospitals to ask them why this was and to ask them how their supply chains are faring right now. And I got nothing but really nonspecific bromides and, you know, assurances that they're doing the very best jobs that they can. Um, I mean, these are hospitals are losing money right now. I mean, it's a really, really tough time as things like elective surgeries and any kind of, you know, non-COVID related, non-emergency medical procedure is, is being, is being punted until whenever the hell this is all over. So that's costing hospitals a lot of money. And that may be contributing to their reticence to, you know, get the supplies in hand, on hand that they, that they need right now that their workers say they need. You know, I'm really glad you mentioned that the hospitals and even some county officials refuse to come clean about this ongoing problem with you. And some counties you spoke to didn't even return your calls. Kaiser Permanente has been very difficult, um, I would say, to deal with this entire from our from the media's perspective. Sutter Health, SF General, 
Um, this is I'll speak on behalf of the Chronicles, so you don't have to. They've been very unwilling to be, I think, very forthcoming about what their challenges are, what the state of the emergency rooms are. We continue to try to get some access to see what's going on, and it's been very difficult. And I, and I think they're doing an amazing amount of work. But this is the issue that we have when our system is so. Um, is so fragmented that not only are there supply chain problems, but there's also problems in that these are private corporations that don't have to answer to anyone that's except right. their shareholders. That's that's exactly right. They're not in a position like a publicly run hospital that has to be a little bit more transparent, generally speaking, as a rule with these sorts of things so that, so that we can understand and that we can inform the public about what the scope of this problem is. I, I think that this sort of, um, this sort of, opacity on this issue, at least among the hospitals, is particularly concerning because recently, like in the past couple of weeks, um, Bay Area public health officials have established a criteria for PPE that will be a really important yardstick that's used to see like how how is our progress going. It's going to be used to measure our success and therefore our our ability to eventually reopen and sort of crawl back to normalcy out of this pandemic. So it's one of the uh, five or perhaps six indicators that Bay Area health officials have publicly said they are watching every day. Now, of course, of course, things like the number of cases and the number of hospitalizations are going to be on that list. But PPE is on there too. Now, specifically in the Bay Area, health officials are looking for pretty much all hospitals, skilled nursing facilities, and first responders to have a sufficient, a 30 day quantity of PPE on hand at all times. Once we reach that threshold, we'll know that that hospitals and healthcare providers can generally react and respond to what will still be a very dynamic environment in terms of, you know, in terms of, you know, outbreaks at facilities or in terms of rising and falling cases. They'll be able to roll with the punches. So that's a that's a publicly stated goal. And maybe the health departments are having private conversations with these hospitals and they just don't want to let the press in on it. But uh, we are not able to understand where I mean, I asked very specific questions about where are you at in terms of, you know, executing against this goal? And I got nothing. You know, I got a absolute, absolutely nothing on that front. Specifically, you got nothing from San Mateo County, Santa Clara County, and Marin County. Let's just let's just call them out. That's on the, that's on <laughs> while the county we're at level. It. That's on the county right, level. On the county and level. this is multiple requests. Like that wasn't just a one day, hey, I need an answer in five minutes kind of thing. This was many requests. Um, San Mateo County sent really nothing but an empty bromide about they did not answer specific questions about where they're at. At the county level, that's even more concerning. I was met with silence from Santa Clara County and, hey, we'll try to get you something and nothing and no response after that from Marin. Um, Kaiser Dignity, a Dignity Health gave me no response at all. And Sutter Health was, again, just a um, an assurance that they're trying the very best that they can, which is all well and good, but there isn't any evidence or even anyone willing to agree to an interview to try to to try to understand that. So so even if things are going well, we don't know it. But when you hear these nurses talk about their issues, it's it's very difficult to to it's very difficult to see that that's the case. 
Right. And and just to, to to before we go on and and we'll take a break right after this, but I, I know people are out there thinking, well, they're busy right now. They don't have to answer to you. But this is the problem that we're at with, I think, news coverage and people's understanding of what the media does in this country. If we don't know how they're responding to a pandemic, if the public is not allowed in, um, they don't know how tax payer dollars are being spent. They don't know how their health care system is spent. And I really think that what we're seeing in the country with a lot of people believing this isn't even an issue and that this isn't even a real pandemic is because of officials' reticence to let the public see what's going on. Dom, when we come back from this break, I want to get off our, our my soapbox about um, the officials who are refusing to come clean about their PPE situation. And I want to talk about the fraudulent and criminal systems that have made the supply chains more difficult. We'll be right back after this. Before we went to break, we were talking about how hospital systems and counties are being on, on the general pretty um, speaking of SF general, uh, pretty reluctant to come clean about how um, what a problem it is getting PPE and and getting the help they need to address this pandemic. Now you've mentioned that some criminals have snuck into the early confusion about where to get PPE. What's happening to go after those bad? bad, bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as you can imagine when demand for stuff like this, for this PPE, again, talking about gowns and masks and gloves and essential pieces of equipment to, to facilitate healthcare and to facilitate, you know, work like government work, like a bus driver still needs gloves and a mask to be able to do their work, right? Like it goes to, it affects them too. So once the demand spiked, it really presented this um, kind of sinister opportunity for profiteers and shady middlemen to, to try to make a buck. I mean, that's really the long and the short of it. So there would be situations that counties and healthcare providers would find when, again, people know how, we know how to do this on a normal scale, right? We know how to keep the general supply of masks and gloves and respirators coming when there isn't a pandemic. COVID-19, of course, has upturned any sense of normalcy here. So we're talking about vast quantities of this stuff. Alameda County alone has spent over $13 million in the past two months on, you know, or since mid-March on, on this kind of equipment, just to kind of give you a sense of the scale. Um, so we have th- situations like a, you will um, think that you are running down an order for masks, say, and you will encounter uh, a website that looks legit. You'll place a solicitation for an order. You'll have a little back and forth with a representative, and then they'll demand an upfront payment right away. Now, most counties, luckily in the Bay Area, were savvy enough and purchasing is, is sophisticated enough in general to know that that's a red flag. But you would get into situations where even if a, an order was there and you could be assured that the supply would arrive, then you're getting in. You're, then you'll get a response that's saying, "Hey, actually, um, the city of uh, North Platte, Nebraska, is willing to bid, you know, fifteen hundred dollars more for this. So, what are you going to give me?" And again, we are talking about critical medical supplies here, and it just leaves a really awful taste in your mouth that this is happening. Although I suppose it's it's not surprising. They saw people saw an opportunity and they jumped at it. Um, counties have reported, you know, 
putting in an order that just never comes, uh, putting in an order for, uh, I believe it was gowns in the case of one county where it took months to arrive and, and things just getting kicked out further and further. And again, that is an additional wrinkle, an additional complication in the effort to supply this stuff in a regular way, which is what, which is what Bay Area health officers, uh, professional public health people are looking for. Um, there was also, um, a, a kind of an about face that, uh, the Chinese government did that mandated much more close, uh, much closer inspections of gowns in particular. In my conversations, the ones that I was able to have with uh, purchasers and healthcare providers, gowns have really stood out as one of the big pieces that are a extremely critical, and b um, because of that, you know, uh, uh, much harder to find in 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 various um, sort of peaks and troughs in the cycle of these supplies and what's available. So gowns, of course, have to be essentially uh, uh, able to repel microscopic threats, right? This is medical equipment. Um, and, and, and as a result of that, because it has to be so specific and meet certain medical standards, it's been one of the more, uh, hard to obtain, um, items. One other problem that folks are facing, that counties and healthcare providers are facing, is they'll order a shipment, they'll go to inspect it and realize this is not medical grade. We cannot give this to healthcare providers. We can't give this to anyone. And so it's, it's, in terms of what's being done, we mentioned before the break that the, uh, the Department of Justice has a sort of task force or, or a sort of um, uh, group set up to try to track down and investigate instances of fraud. Um, you know, but it, it's really tough. We're talking about a really complex global supply chain and how many prosecutions come out of this. I, I would be surprised if there were many at all. Um, just to finish one thought about the Chinese government too, I think I, I, I sort of ta- started talking about gowns and got really into it. Um, but the Chinese government did a kind of an about face on their inspections of gowns in particular. And that has led to some really um, tight choke points in the supply chain. And one of the many reasons uh, why it's tough to get that particular piece of equipment right now. Is there, this seems like such a stupid way. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know a better adjective. It seems like such a broken system. Is there any talk of maybe as we come out of this reforming the supply chain problem? I think that with enough pressure, hospitals and healthcare providers may be incentivized to be more prepared. Now, this is not something that the hospitals themselves would address, but the people working at those hospitals, frontline healthcare workers, have said there was an unwillingness to have this kind of supply of PPE on hand. And that has led to situations like we were talking about before, where critical equipment that should be thrown away after one patient is getting reused and reused and reused. So I think that one of the many things, one of the many paradigms that we'll have to shift here is, you know, being uh, much more responsive to infectious diseases by being willing to hold on to a, a stockpile at the ready. In terms of the procurement process, we've just never seen anything like this. So it's hard to say how that will be, you know, reformed on the, on the other side of it in terms of, in terms of county procurement, I guess, to be, to be more precise. Um, but this, this, the situation is really stupid. It, it, I guess if there's any kind of silver lining, you are seeing um, manufacturers stateside pop up that can say, hey, you can interface with me. I'm an actual person. I have, you know, the capability to to switch my operations around to make what you need and make it medical grade. I mean, of course, you saw, you know, major stories that came out where Ford and large corporations were able to use their, um, they were able to use their sophisticated assembly lines and their knowledge of the manufacturing process to do things like that. 
But I think that more than anything else, the silver linings are people, you know, using 3D printing to make duckbill masks for Contra Costa County. I mean, things like that are happening where people are stepping up and and trying to help as best they can to fill the gaps such as they are. Um, we talked, uh, Audrey, also about the sort of metrics, like how far, how close are we to hitting the goals? All I know from reporting all the Bay Area counties and these healthcare providers, um, Alameda and San Francisco counties are are basically at a three month window for what they need, which again extends to bus drivers and firefighters and paramedics, etc. Um, so that that is encouraging that they have gotten around, they have learned to um, uh, supersede these shady dealers in the supply chain, and they sort of worked out a lot of the kinks. So the next couple of months, I think are going to, things will continue to improve, but my goodness, it's been a rocky road up until now. Yeah, well, some maybe some silver linings on the horizon, and um, I know if anyone can get an answer out of reluctant government officials, it's you, Dom. I appreciate that. I uh, I, <laughs> I I will resort to uh, begging if I have to, but but only up until deadline. <laughs> okay, good enough. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. I'd like to thank Dominic Fracasa for being with me today. Thank you to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 